And bonjour, all you gardening cats and gators. Welcome to Gardening with Cisco, July 13th. And uh, uh, just wonderful weather. All that wonderful rain. Oh, la, la. No gardener could ever complain about that, no matter what. Hey, I have a great guest today, but I'm going to introduce him in just a minute because I have a few announcements first I want to make. And uh, probably the most exciting thing that's happened to me for a while, uh, somehow I got selected to be one of two gardeners in the nation to be on the NPR radio uh, show called On Point. And it was their, uh, it was their uh, ninth edition of On Point. Of their, uh, it was no, it was the July 9th edition of On Point, but it was their annual gardening show. So I'm really, uh, that was really fun. And the hardest question I had to answer is how do you keep an iguana out of your garden? The call was from Florida. I've actually found out that is a big problem. And I didn't say what I should have get a wiener dog. That would have solved the whole problem, you know. <laughs> Unless they eat wiener dogs, that could be possible. So maybe that wouldn't have been so good. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, I've just got a couple of announcements I want to make, and I want to remind you that I am going to be at the Whidbey Island Fair Sunday, July 21st at 1 p.m. So I hope lots of you come and hear my talk. I'm going to give away some great plants, a Gardening with Cisco t-shirt, and a book. <laughs> That's that's how I make sure I get a big crowd, you know. So, <laughs> so really looking forward to seeing all of you. Uh, I've been going to that fair, giving talks for the last couple of years, and I really love it. Hey, I want to welcome all you fee- people from Wasart. And what that is is the Washington State Animal Rescue Team. And a bunch of you are coming to see my garden this afternoon. This was auctioned off to help this good cause. And uh, so I am really looking forward to leading you around the garden and showing you all my favorite uh, plants. And I promise not to tell more than 42 stories. Okay. so (laughs) All right. A couple of other quick, quick announcements I want to make here. And that is two big, uh, really fun events are going on, uh, actually three, I should say. So uh, there's a really good tree pruning talk going on, given by Ingela Wannerstrand (laughs) from Plant Amnesty, and it's organized with a Bellevue Botanical Garden. So that's Wednesday, July 17th, starts at 6.30. It's going to cover practically everything you need to know, including pruning Japanese maple, so I really recommend that's going to be good. It only costs uh, 25 bucks if you're a, a BBG and Plant Amnesty member. Otherwise, it's 35 bucks. okay? Hey, and Heron's Woods having their next summer plant sale and garden open. So that's Saturday, July 20th, next weekend, from 10 to 3. And uh, Rick Riz Rays, he was just chosen as... Uh, the the upcoming gardener in the United States by the U.S. Um, Horticultural Society. So, oh, la, la, that's pretty darn cool. So Riz will be giving a talk, and Dan Hinckley, uh, who is one of the best speakers in the whole world, will be also giving a talk. 
So there's a great lineup of specialty nurseries selling all kinds of rare and cool plants. And uh, I was just at the Heronswood Garden uh, for one of the steering committee meetings. I'm on the steering committee. And oh, la, la, that garden looks so good. You can't believe it. So you're going to want to go. Uh, the talks are free. You got to fork out 10 bucks if you want to go see the garden. It's worth it. Believe me. And it helps Heronswood, too, the garden. All right, one last one, 2019 Edmonds and Bloom Garden Tour. And that's Sunday, July 21st. It goes from 11 to 4, and uh, they have some great gardens out there in Edmonds. So I recommend that. It's a, You'll have a lot of fun. Hopefully it'll be a beautiful, sunny Sunday afternoon, and uh, you can get your tickets online or find them at the following local merchants. And uh, so um, that's all listed in my website. And there is one last thing I want to mention here, and that is that if you want to hear the show I was on, On Point, uh, Mary put a link right on the front page of Cisco.com. All right, now I finally get to introduce my guest. So uh, Eric Totterud, uh, board member of GROW, uh, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you, Cisco. It's great to be here. It's great. Now you were on about a year ago. Yeah. And uh, but people probably, you know, if they didn't hear you that last year, they don't know what Grow's about. So how about giving us a little description? I'd be glad to. Grow is a volunteer organization. It's a five hundred one c three tax deductible organization, and basically we're the silent partner of the Pea Patch Program in Seattle. We're just a group of people who just love community gardening, and so we want to promote that in Seattle. And so GROW does a whole lot of things that you don't really see. For example, we are a fiscal sponsor to uh, more than half the gardens, and that means that the individual gardens can accept uh, contributions that are tax deductible, and we do the IRS things to make sure that that happens and that they can do that. Uh, Another Another thing we do is we train site leaders at the pea patches and at individual gardens. We um, pay for uh, low-income gardener registration fees for the pea patch program. We buy tools for oh, So you help low-income people get a community garden where they can raise good, healthy food? Absolutely. We raise the funds for that, and we sp- sponsor a number of these garden fees. Uh, another thing we do is we buy liability insurance for the gardeners. And so all of the gardens are covered under our liability oh, policy. You know, I never thought of that. It's uh, important, but you never see it. And yeah. like I said, a lot of the things that Grow does, it's just kind of behind the scenes, but it's really important to the gardeners. And, um, you know, we do things like the Pea Patch Post. We publish that, which is a newsletter, a newspaper that we get out two or three times a year. And it has stories about gardening, has tips, it has what's going on in the community. And, you know, the most important thing about uh, our mission is really building the communities around these gardens. Uh, it's not just about growing vegetables or flowers. It's really growing communities. And that's what's important to the board uh, on Grow, and that's what we're working for. And it's a great bunch of people and a really rewarding experience. Wow, that is so cool. All right, now, there's a big fundraiser coming up, and we're going to talk about that when we come back. And also, there's something really important going on in Ballard, and we got to talk about that, too. So, okay, don't go away. Don't touch that dial, or all the Brussels sprouts will fall right off your plant. And you're listening to 97.3 Cairo FM. We'll be right back after this.
Well, welcome back. And uh, my guest is Eric Totterud and a board member of GROW. And uh, so, first of all, let's just let people know about this big fundraiser coming up. Absolutely, Cisco. We call it Chef in the Garden. It's coming up this coming Wednesday, uh, July 17th. It will be at 6.30 p.m. at the Center for Urban Horticulture, which is up by the university, kind of up near the stadium. And it's got beautiful gardens around there. This oh, will be does. indoors. Yeah, it's usually we do it outdoors, and we've decided this year we're going to do it indoors. So this is going to be a big change. But it does have the gardens around there, and um, it uh, it's a dinner. And the uh, caterer is Casper uh, Donier, who's got a, a very oh famous reputation in yeah. Seattle. So it's going to be a fantastic dinner. We have cocktails and hors d'oeuvres beforehand and a silent auction. The dinner starts around 730 our guest speaker is a guy named Jim Deers, and I don't know if you know Jim, but he was uh, head of the Department of Neighborhoods for the city of Seattle for a number of years. He's a fascinating speaker, a really great guy. He's been everywhere and Boy. done everything. He's very interesting. I, I, I've known Jim for a couple of years, and, and we're look, really looking forward to having him talk. And it's just the whole uh, – everybody there is some, someone who supports – organic, sustainable community gardening in Seattle. And that's just a great group of people. We all know that gardeners are the best people in the world. And so uh, you can- That uh, is so true. <laughs> you can join uh, fellow gardeners. Tickets are available at Brown Paper Tickets. We still have some left. Um, they just go to Brown Paper Tickets Seattle and type in Chef in the Garden 2019 and you can get tickets and uh, would love to see everybody there. And we have a link right on the front page of Cisco.com to grow. So I'm sure you can get right to that you, where you, you can get the tickets through there. Yeah, absolutely. We have a link on our webpage. Our webpage is www.grownorthwest.org if you want to go there directly. We have a link to the tickets, and uh, it's a great event. It's a lot of fun, uh, a lot of really great people there. And it's helping it's helping our community garden system, our this whole is, pea patch system. This is our big fundraiser. And yeah, it, it goes for everything from low-income gardener assistance to uh, paying for that insurance, paying for a lot of things that and, the gardens really need. Yeah, and, and you uh, help make sure that uh, – there, uh, the giving gardens are out there, right, that produce food for the food banks. Absolutely. Every pea patch has a giving garden. And I, I have an amazing statistic that I pulled off the Internet from the city. Last year, 2018, the giving gardens donated to the food banks in Seattle – 34,163 pounds of fresh produce. Wow. That's 17 tons of produce wow. that they and, gave to the food banks Oh, here. that is so nice. And boy, we need that so bad. We you know? really do. And it's it's just great. And the people in the gardens love doing it. And it's just, it's the giving gardens are really the center of each garden. And everybody helps out to make sure that the giving gardens are very productive. And people get the produce to the food banks. And it's just great. Now, you and I are both quite concerned because one of the best community gardens in the whole system over in Ballard is in definite jeopardy. Well, it is. Um, the uh, Ballard Pea Patch has, since I believe 1976, has been located on land owned by the adjacent church. And the church has been a fantastic partner of the Pea Patch program over the years. And uh, they've been just a great host. But they have uh, needs to uh, do some upgrades to their church. And so they, uh, to raise funds, they need to sell the land that the Pea Patch is located on. And so uh, the Pea Patch 
people at Ballard have gotten together. They're working with Grow to raise the funds necessary to buy that land. And it's, I believe it's uh, very expensive, like $1.8 million. Oh, it's a lot, yeah. And, and so they're Boy. working very hard. And it's, but it's such a worthwhile project. Uh, it's up off 85th, and it's just a beautiful garden. And uh, it's a big one. It's one of the oldest. Yeah, and, and they have that Art in the Garden event every it's year, which is of full of uh, garden art and uh, really cool. It's, uh, and it's, it sounds like they have a great giving garden there. It's a wonderful place. It really is. And so Grow is working with them to try to help raise these funds. And the folks at Valor Peapatch are really dedicated and really working hard. And we're just trying to support them anyway. It's going to be tough, but we got to do it, everybody, because think also – that's one of the only green spaces there is out there in, in Ballard, you know. Everywhere really, we're losing our green space. It really is. We need all the green space we can get. And as, uh, as Seattle gets denser, you know, we really need to have that open space. And the garden is a great place for people to walk through. People kind of get some peace and quiet. And it's just a fantastic kind of an oasis there in Ballard. So. And people aren't always aware that uh, no chemicals, no, uh, you know, Chemical pesticides are used at all in community gardens. So think of all the pollinators that are in there, the birds, that all That's the right. things that rely on that garden in the middle of Ballard. It's like we can't afford to lose that. That's right. And so it's so important. And so uh, they need all the help they can get. And uh, we're working with them. And we need everybody to support the Ballard Pea Patch and uh, you know, step up if they can and help out. Yeah, I'm hoping that I, I think we're kind of looking at, you know, seeing how I might be able to help them. So who knows, I might be at a fundraiser for them, something like that. But I definitely want to see that um, wonderful Ballard Pea Patch survive. So well, we Cisco, all got to help. With Cisco, we appreciate that. You, you do so much for the gardens, and we really, uh, it means a lot to us. Oh, thanks a lot. All right. Well, listen, uh, we're going to take a break in a few minutes. But I do want to remind you there's a link right on the front page of Cisco.com to grow. So you can uh, click on that, get your ticket. And I was at the uh, uh, the event last year, and it was really a lot of fun. I had a blast. The food was fantastic. The wine was pretty good, too. <laughs> I, <laughs> the wine's always good. Cisco, you, we enjoyed you being there. You'd, Cisco gave a Great talk, and uh, he explained where the uh, source of the ooh-la-la was. Uh, that's what I did. <laughs> People are still talking about that. <laughs> oh, that's too great. All right, well, we're going to take a break in a couple minutes. Before we do, I want to give you our numbers, and I hope you'll call in if you got any garden questions. This is your chance to get them answered. We're right in the middle of uh, things growing like mad right now. So one triple eight. 973 Cairo, 1-888-973-5476. And uh, if by any chance you don't give me a call, then I do have a few emails, but it's always more fun if people call for sure. <laughs> so, all right. And, uh, you know, one question I got, just uh interesting one is, is it too late to plant peas right now for a fall harvest? No. But do it right away. Don't wait too long because uh, if you wait too long, then the, the peas never ripen up in the fall, which is a real pain. But when you get to be eating fresh peas right off your plants out in your back garden, I mean, or in your community garden, 
you are really uh, you're a few steps ahead of everybody else in the neighborhood. So it's really, really wonderful to say the least. <laughs> and uh, this is also the time to plant all your overwintering uh, vegetables. So. Right now is a good time to plant things like uh, carrots that you want to overwinter, broccoli, cauliflower, uh, choufleur, as they say in France, and uh, and Brussels sprouts. Although I never have any luck with those overwintering Brussels sprouts. I barely have luck with summer ripening Brussels sprouts, but, uh, but this is the time to do it. You want to get those starts in the ground soon. And a lot of nurseries have the starts, so uh, you can uh, go to one of your favorite nurseries, pick up some starts, and you'll be eating peas in the fall, and you'll be eating uh, Brussels sprouts in the spring, we hope. (laughs) All right, listen, we have a call ready, but we're going to go to break. But, Kim, when we come back, we'll stick you on the air, 97.3 Cairo FM. La. All right, we're back, and uh, Eric's still here with me, so he's going to kick in on any questions you can there, okay. Eric. And uh, All right, well, hey, right now we're going to Kim and Ballard. Hey, Kim, how are you? Hi. I do well. How do you do? Oh, I do so well. <laughs> <laughs> Thought so. <laughs> what you got hey, going I on? I question. Okay. I have a pruning question. I have a crimson point, a set of crimson point columnar plum trees. And they're big now. <laughs> they're uh-huh. bigger than the tag said. <laughs> oh, yeah, and as always. <laughs> as always, yeah. And so as they mature, they, they want to be a little more vase-shaped than columnar-shaped. And so I want to... I wanna, uh, prune the outside so they're a little more upright. Can I do that? Yeah, you can do that for sure. And um, summer's actually a great time to prune fruit trees. So the the oh, key is you don't want to take off more than a tenth of the wood. Okay. Now you can do harder pruning in the winter time. You can go up to thirty percent. So yeah, if you you should be able to keep that columnar shape at least. Uh, pretty well. So just make sure, you know, you cut back to where it branches off farther back into the plant. Right. But there's no problem. um, Can we thin them a little bit? Because they're kind of, you know, they've got a lot of really redundant, messy branches. So can we, would that be like good wintertime pruning? Yeah, if you're going to prune hard, if it's just a little light uh, thinning, you can get away with that now really well. The nice thing about pruning this time of year is that you don't get as much sucker growth. You don't get as many sprouts coming out of the branches. That's because when you do prune in this time of year, you're removing at least you know a tenth of the leaves maybe. So that's a tenth of the energy that would have gone back into the root system to explode into growth next spring. So it actually lightens up that sprout growth a bit. And um, so it's a good time to do it. But yeah, the key is don't overdo it. If you're going to thin the livid tweedle out of that thing, don't 
uh, don't overdo it because if you do, then uh, that could put the plant into shock. You don't want that. Okay. Yeah, yeah I just kind of want to get at some of the shape. You know, the sunny side is kind of wider than the shady side. And yeah. <laughs> you just kind of want to shape them up a little bit. And boy, do these trees have fabulous plums. Oh, that's so nice. So, um... They don't have much when they're young, but I guess as they as they start to you know as their runway shortens up, yeah, cool. <laughs> and they're you know kind of looking towards the end. They make plums like plumageddon. <laughs> oh wow, too great! Hey, do you do you live anywhere near the um, community garden, the pea patch over there in Ballard? I live I live bicycle distance. Oh, okay. Because I'm thinking maybe that's why you got so many bees. Uh, Pollinating those plums for you. That could be. That could be. I had an I had an apple tree for decades that finally just died of old age. But when I did, it it made a crazy lot of apples too. Especially when I had bees in the compost heap. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's the best. Well, listen. I think I think. Don't worry. You can do that pruning right now without any worries at all. As long as you don't exceed that ten percent, you're in great shape. Yeah, well, the only worries right now is that we'd be killed by falling plums, but we'll be after. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because, you know, I've, I have, like, uh, told stories and, and written stories, and it's in my new book that I'm writing, but that's coming out in spring. But uh, one time I remember uh, I was supposed to show on TV with Megan Black how to prune a pear tree in summer. Oh, and no. uh, she calls me up. She goes, uh, she's coming over to film in my garden, and she goes, you remember that you were going to have one of your pears totally pruned so we could show up before and after because I had three pears. I'm like, oh, no. When are you getting here? She goes, I'll be there in 20 minutes. I pruned an entire pear tree in 20 minutes, and uh, but there were only three pears left when I got done. <laughs> they were flying everywhere, so don't be in too big a hurry to do it. Oh, believe me, <laughs> it's dangerous around here right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Everybody's getting jelly for Christmas. <laughs> well, hey, that's too cool. So Crimson Point, uh, Calmner Plum, sound like they're fantastic. So They're beautiful, and they're great, great privacy screens, which is what we what we got them for. Oh. They're, you know, a nice variation on Arborvitae and all the usual stuff. Oh, great way to do that. That's fantastic. Get your food and your privacy both. Can't beat that. They've got it all. Okay. Well, listen, Kim, thanks thanks for the call. You bet. Okay. Bye-bye. And, uh, Eric, there there are fruit trees in some of the community gardens, right? Absolutely. Uh, I garden in East Lake in the Pea Patch, and we have uh, apple trees. We have pear trees. Um, We have a plum tree. I don't know. It was planted years ago. It was long before the pea patch was there and so we get plums off there and wow. they're, they're great uh, <laughs> that is i you know and i know it's in picardy pea patch oh my gosh they got a lot of fruit trees yeah. there so and a lot of the pea patches have uh bee pollinators or bee oh beehives a- a- apiaries oh, i guess they're called okay, cool and uh ours does and we get the bees out there pollinating our garden and that uh, makes a big difference it does yeah. i'll tell you Okay, all right, we have uh, still have time, so we're going to go to Tim, way over in Shelton. Tim, welcome. Hey, thanks. I appreciate you guys. Hey, thanks. 
What you got uh, going uh, on? Previous caller, your previous caller actually reminded me of another question that I wanted. Um, Uncle Jerry had this plum, plum tree, but it was more like this big bush. And my brother and sister and I used to go and just eat those plums until we were sick. They were just <laughs> wonderful. All right, but I'd like to find something like that now. So what kind of a plum plant and where could I find something like that now? Well, I'm not sure about uh, dwarf uh, plum trees, but I would go to, um, oh, what is it? Uh, well, let me check quick. So there are some pretty they, famous uh, uh, fruit nurseries. So, but I'm just trying to remember the name of that thing right now. All right. Well, uh, that'll come to me in a few minutes. I know right. that. While you're thinking of that, let me ask you the original question. All right. All right. Uh, I've got some uh, little cedar plants and some pine little starts around my property, and I'm building and doing some things around here. So instead of just running over them or driving over or wrecking them, I'm, I'm trying to transplant them into little pots and trying to save them. Oh, they're baby? All they're the little babies? Pl- well, they're from like six inches to uh, like a foot tall. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, instead of just wrecking them, I'd like to save them. So I, I just transplanted them. And uh, all of the cedar trees are just thriving, but every one of the pine trees have just died. And I, I'd like to know how I could save these pine trees. What's going on with them dying when I transplant them like that? I'm not sure what's going on. But um, the smaller they are, the easier it is. But this might not be the right time of year to be doing it. You probably okay. have a lot better luck if you do it when uh, all the trees are dormant in the winter time, because conifers can be much more difficult to move than deciduous trees. You know, so uh, mm-hmm. usually I've been trying to keep the roots wet, and uh, you know, I even started doing it at night, but. Uh, they, they all die. Yeah. Every one of them has Yeah, you know, one thing that would really help to do it after, like right after that big rain we had, that would be the best time. But I think what I would do is mark all the ones you want to try and move and do it in the wintertime. Then you got Mama Nature watering them for you. The ground's nice and moist. And uh, it might be you just can't keep enough moisture in there to help them make the switch. I just moved some okay. rascoyas yesterday. Only an idiot would do this. If you ask me, should I move some rascoyas right now? I'd go, Are you nuts? You know, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I moved them, and uh, they're not looking real good. But I think they're going to recover, so it can be done. But I think on the pines, you're way better off waiting uh, till uh, winter time. Okay. Hey, thanks. I just didn't want to kill them, you know, so. No, yeah, you know, and if you're going to, you know, if you're running them over, it's worth trying. But, uh, yeah, the pines, I think you're just going to have to avoid those all you can and uh, move them in uh, the winter. And remember, the smaller they are, the easier it is. It's much, much easier to move a little teensy start than one that's like a couple years old, anything like that. That's real tough. All right. Hey, well, while you're on the air, think about that really good plum tree that we might be All right, to I'll try and think of that. I'm not eating enough Brussels right, sprouts. That name just won't come to my head. Okay, but it probably will, so keep listening.
All All right. All right. We're taking a break. Thank you, Tim. Good question. Hey, uh, we have time for a call. So if anybody wants to get in in the last section of the show, 1-888-973-CAIRO, 1-888-973-5476. We're in the last section of the show. Eric Cotterud's here with me, a board member from Grow. And uh, so, but uh, we'll try to mention it one more time. But Chef in the Garden is a wonderful fundraiser. They have a pri- uh, uh, silent auction, and uh, it's being held July 17th at the Center for Urban Horticulture. So that's a, that's an important event, and it starts at 6.30, 7.30, a fantastic dinner, so. Good event. All right, Walt, we're popping you on the air. Hi, welcome. Hey, Cisco. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, I've got a, uh, I bought a, we had some great pears from the supermarket, organic pears, and I thought I'd plant some seeds, and I did, and I've got some sprouts coming up. Do you think they'll produce any uh, pears? Not for a heck of a long time. I'll tell you, I could take, you know, could take, oh, I don't know, at least seven years could take 15 for all you know. But here's the biggest problem. So you get these organic pears, but most of the time these pears, unless it's an heirloom or something, they're hybrids. So they took one kind of pear tree, took the pollen off that, put it on a flower on a different kind of pear tree, and the seed that is formed is some other kind of pear tree. So the the problem is that... uh, you don't know what you're going to get, but you're probably not going to get what uh, you planted, what 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 you ate when you ate that pear, because it'll have come from a different kind of pear to your pear, the bee, you know. I guess I'm going to go. I guess I'm going to go to the nursery and buy a pear tree then. Thanks, let's go. Yeah, hey, and I want to tell everybody the nursery. I was telling everybody to go to. It's online. Is Rain Tree Nursery, RainTreeNursery dot com. They have all kinds of great fruit trees. So, uh, And, hey, if I were you, Walt, I would definitely get a dwarf pear. Don't don't even get semi-dwarf. They end up like skyscrapers out in the landscape. If you get a dwarf, you can keep it under 12 feet, and you'll be so glad you did. Okay. okay if I can ask one more question. Oh, one sure. More question. Yeah. How come my uh, my uh, Brussels or not my Brussels sprouts? My uh, broccoli it just seemed to go straight to flower this year instead of giving me some nice heads of broccoli. My guess is that uh, they it either dried out at the critical period because don't you find that a lot, Eric? That's- yeah, I, I've grown gro- broccoli and it can be very temperamental. I I get a problem with it just getting just out of control and and you lose the flavor the the broccoli heads are are just tough and gross. Yeah, so the big problem with a lot of veggies growing them here, we get we get really dry uh summers and everything and there's critical times where the plants really haven't sent out enough roots to find water down deep. And if we don't keep the surface uh Pretty moist. Then what happens is they dry out. The plant thinks it's going to die and goes. I got to reproduce quick, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start a family by putting out a bunch of seed, and uh, 
And that's it. That's the end of that broccoli for that year. So, uh, you know, hey, but if you do some starts now, you could get overwintering broccoli. You probably will be eating them next spring. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks a lot, Walt. See ya. And, you know, it breaks my heart when things like broccoli or Brussels sprouts, they bolt and go to seed, you know. Radishes, if the, if you don't have moisture, when they get their fifth leaf, they never form the, the, the fat little radish root down there. I never knew that. Yeah, so it's like, and I, man, it's so easy to mess that up, yeah. you know. It's like, oh, brother. So is it hard? Because you have to... Do you get to your community garden every day? I do not get there every day. I get there three or four times a week. Um, if it's been dry, you know, we get the sunny, dry weather like we get in August. You know, it's really hot. And oh, yeah. I try to get down there every morning and water it in the morning. But other than that, every two or three days, I try to get down there on the weekends and go through and weed the whole plot. And, uh, you know, I'm going to probably put in, like I was telling you, I'm going to put in some peas and some more carrots uh, here in the next couple of weeks. And, yeah. Uh, and so I got my work cut out for me. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I actually, uh, I came home yesterday uh, from whatever I was doing, and I walk in, and there I have two tomatoes in pots because it's Mary's turn to do the veggie garden this year. So I got to grow my veggies in pots, and they're out in the driveway. Oh, my gosh, one of my tomatoes is huge. It's in a good-sized pot, totally just drooping like you never saw. It's all that rain we've had. Everything in my garden has grown. I went down there this morning, and I have dahlias, and they just exploded. I have like 30 dahlia blooms. Didn't have any four days ago. It's one of the most colorful years I've seen yeah. in the garden. My garden is exploding yeah. into color. It's so exciting. And it fun. is. Things that I hardly have done anything are just going to town this year. So it's really, really exciting. It's okay. fun. Okay, we only have a, uh, about a minute and a half left. So let's remind people. Chef in the Garden, July 17th. It's at 6.30 at the Center for Urban Horticulture. It's a great fun event. Casper Donier is fixing a fantastic dinner. You can see the menu on the uh, site on brown paper tickets. Uh, we have uh, wine and hors d'oeuvres beforehand. and um, Silent auction. What do you got in the silent auction? Silent auction has everything from a <laughs> cru- sailing cruise. We have dinners. We have wine. Is that a we sailing have- cruise with you? It's a sailing cruise on my sailboat. <laughs> Uh, Captain Eric will take you out. <laughs> wear, wear your life jacket. No, no. Uh, no it, I, I, have, I haven't lost anybody yet. <laughs> uh, uh, but it sounds like a, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful event right over there at CUH, you know, so it's centrally located and lots of. Uh, fun people, they're out for a good time and a great dinner. It's a great cause, too. Great. Thank you, Cisco, for having me on. Oh, so great to have you on, Eric. All right, everybody, I want to remind you now that uh, I'll be at Whidbey Island at the fair. So, uh, And I know you want to ride on all those rides and go pet the pigs and everything, but you can stop and hear my talk Sunday, July 21st at 1 p.m., I think it'll be a lot of fun. Brian, thank you, my friend. Okay, everybody, we'll see you next week. Keep eating those Brussels sprouts. Bye-bye.